You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I apologize for no podcast on Monday. I was doing travel and it basically came down to I could not find a space uh, where I would be alone to record. And if I was recording, it would have been via tablet. So it would have all ended up in a less than spectacular uh, sound quality. And I decided it was best to just skip it. So since you last heard from me, that would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. We have four uh, four games that took place. The Indians took three out of four of those games. The one game they lost was the one that they had the best pitching performance in, Adam Plutko shutting down a hot Kansas City Royals offense, uh, just giving up the one run. Barring that, the Indians have been a force. They continue to uh, perform well. They are three games back of the Twins for the division lead, which is kind of phenomenal and crazy when you think about uh, where we were in May. And they've actually taken the lead in the wild card. They would host the wild card game if the season ended right now. They are two games up on Oakland, who's second, and then Tampa, who's been really falling apart uh, in the second half. Well, more in the second half, or barely in the second half. Over the last month or so, uh, they need to do something about their bullpen. It is a disaster pretty consistently for them. Uh, A lot of inconsistency of performance, things like that. But uh, as Tampa is slipping, all of a sudden Cleveland has taken over as the wild card leader, taking it from Tampa, and have now built up this big uh, spot, a big lead, which is also partially thanks to uh, the Minnesota Twins, who uh, beat up on Oakland over the weekend. So while the Indians did not gain a ton of ground in the wild card, or in the division, they put some space in the wild card. Mentioning Tampa, if you were curious, let's do a Yandy Diaz check-in. 270 average, 343 on base, 40 slugging. 14 home runs, 35 walks, 60 Ks. Uh, yeah, he's still playing really well. Uh, there's no way around it. Has he cooled off? Absolutely. Totally. But uh, he's still one of their better hitters. And it's Tampa, you know, you look at their offense. Tommy Pham has been a spectacular addition that they got for nothing. Willie Adames hasn't been as good as I expected him to be. As of all, Garcia is starting to show some decline. Uh, Kevin Kiemeyer, with his defensive ability, frankly, anything he gives you is a plus. The fact that he is about a league average bat, you're fine with that. Austin Meadows is finally kind of, well, I don't think there's any kind of, he has broken out this year. Diaz, Brandon Lowe is probably your American League uh, rookie of the league leading candidate. Going through all that, their least productive position might be first. Well, I mean, his catcher, far and away. But other than that, it's uh, first base with uh, Jai Man Choi. But again, he's slightly above average for the position. Uh, they went out and traded for Mike Zunio, and he just struggles. That's the whole problem when uh, a guy's best skill is uh, power, but they have a questionable hit tool. You can't always access the power. Um so they've gone more and more to Travis Dayarned, and he's actually been quite good for them. So that's kind of a quick check-in uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays, the former wildcard leader. Now, as I mentioned, the Indians faced the Royals over the weekend, 
and the pitcher that I thought they should have absolutely beaten up on is the one that they struggled the most with, and that was Jake Junis, who has been not great this year, let's be honest. So since Junis struggled, or shut them down, that was the only loss. Um, There were a few close calls, but they took care of business, and they started this series against a Toronto team that is in full sell mode. Um, You know, maybe the Indians get lucky and Toronto will make some early deals and they'll be even weaker before this series ends. Uh, Toronto, Marcus Stroman is the pitcher most likely to be traded, I think, at the deadline. I think that is a pretty safe bet at this point in terms of them maximizing value. I think Kevin Giles, uh, if teams are willing to gamble uh, on the potential there, is another big trade asset. Uh, Justin Smoke, who went deep today, is another player really to keep your eyes on. He's always been a a good defender, but offensively he's really kind of gone backwards this year. Uh, The home run was, I mean, it's still 16th home run of the year. His average is very low, but he's walking a lot, so he's got a 354 on base percentage. To give you an idea in terms of on base percentage, if I were to pull up the good old Cleveland Indian stat page here, and we were to uh, sort by on base percentage, a 354 is going to be one of the better ones on the entire Cleveland Indians roster. So he is, uh, yes, he's a low average guy, but he gets on base and then he hits for power. Smoke would be tied for second on the Indians in home runs. He'd be tied with uh, Lindor and Roberto Perez. Uh, they're all five behind. Uh, Carlos Santana. So a 354 on base percentage, I believe is what I said earlier. Just double check it. Yes, that would be, if you go over here to the Cleveland Indians, I have a few tabs open. So a 354. So Carlos Santana has a 405. Mike Freeman is a 383, but not an everyday player. Oscar Mercado is at a 350. So that's so Justin Smoke would not only be second on the team in home runs, but he'd be second on the team in on base percentage. Um, I love Carlos Santana's defense at first, but Smoke is a better defender. Uh, he's an excellent defender there for his career, and and the only concern would be uh, Santana likes playing the field. And he has been one of the best stars in the American League this year, so you wouldn't want to really disturb that. So that's the downside there. Smoke, I believe, is a free agent to be, from what I remember looking at in the offseason. And, I, you know, it, I, I don't think Toronto would offer him the qualifying offer. So he would not be a super expensive sign uh, or sign trade candidate. Uh, I don't know Eric Sogard's trade value. He's just. I mean, he's been the definition of the 24th, 25th man on a roster, plays a lot of positions, bounces around, backup. And this year, you know, it's a 304 average, 367 on base, 47 slugging. He's been really good. Uh, other places on, you know, I think they'll probably keep Randall Grichuk, just center fielder, or they sign him to a long-term contract. But basically, I think Smoke and Sogard are the the bats that could be on the move. Freddie Galvis as well. And pitching wise, you know, it's uh, it's those relievers. It's uh, not it's Stroman, it's Giles, P- 
possibly um, a few other relievers there could be. It so much of the relief market is is kind of held up by the Giants, who are only two and a half games out of the wild card. But uh, you know, Sam Gavalio has been about average this year. Joe uh, Bagani, who they tried as a starter last year, didn't work. A really successful Rule 5 acquisition for them. Uh, He's been quite good. Daniel Hudson's been fantastic for them out of the pen. And there are a lot of teams who could target him because he's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. He's been really good this year. He's a rental. it all comes together to make him a logical trade candidate for a lot of teams. Um, the Red Sox stand out who don't have a lot in their minors. The uh, Blue Jays have been really good about getting value out of players like him. I look back to the deals that the Indians and Blue Jays have made in the past. Uh, Joe Smith, Josh Donaldson, they've been able to extract value in situations where they shouldn't get much value. So it bears watching. And, I mean... The Indians and the Blue Jays feel like they make a trade every year, so it's going to be interesting to see if that develops this year, what makes could make sense, who uh, who Cleveland could be targeting, you know, who would be the guy that fills a need. You have to assume it's a bat, and then you have to assume it's going to be someone who's, you know, late 20s or a free agent to be or in the 30s, and you go through that list, and it's... Freddie Galvis is 29, it's Eric Sogard, and it's Justin Smoke. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's not an ideal fit this year. All of those guys are average to above average bats um, at their positions. So, yeah. So this Blue Jays team, it's almost like the Indians are uh, they are playing them, and I'm sure they are scouting them because, again, you know, they have the current front office there has a lot of ties to the Indians' front office. They make a deal, it feels like, every year. It certainly bears watching, and keep that in mind as you watch them uh, over the next few games. So just quickly on today's game, uh, Santana with his 20th double of the year. He is now a 2020 guy in terms of doubles and home runs. Mercado, home run, triple. Uh, Continues to... He's an interesting guy just because he plays really well, and then he kind of has an off day, and he plays really well. Um... But, man, he has helped stabilize the top of that lineup. Uh, Luplo with two walks. Jose Ramirez just keeps keeps that bang average rising. He's up to a thir- 235. Uh, Jason Kipnis still betting six, even though he is, uh, by every conceivable metric, the worst hitter on the Indians this year. Perez, Bowers, Naquin. And Naquin thing, it's, it's still rough just because you really don't want him out there when you're facing a, a lefty but the Indians have to right now and that's you know, uh, as much as I talked about the Blue Jays as a potential uh, trade partner that's part of the reason that uh, it doesn't work as well because I think they still need an outfielder and maybe that's Daniel Johnson in the minors we'll have to wait and see and then lastly I have to talk about Mike Clevenger another strong outing for him that is my cat who wants to apparently come on the podcast uh, as our first guest uh, she apparently wanted to talk about Mike Clevenger, who, following the Indians' pitching tradition of the year, gave up a pair of home runs, but uh, limited his walks, his hits, while striking out uh, a hitter per inning. 
great to see continue uh, seeing his performance and him building up arm strength. Um, at the start of the year, he looked like he was going to be, you know, if there was a wild card game, Clevenger would start. Uh, I'm going to talk about that more in the second half of the podcast, along with a few other uh, points about the Indians as we get closer to the end of July. Uh, if you would like to reach an upscale male audience, you can do that by advertising right here on this podcast. Um, I've mentioned before, Locked On, the Cleveland Locked On uh, trio of Locked On Cavs, Locked On Indians, Locked On Browns. If you're a Cleveland area business in particular, you're going to get your company mentioned across three local podcasts, all. Uh, catering to that uh, upscale male audience and your ad could be running right here on the uh, Lockdown Indians. So you can email locked at lockdownpodcast.com to get more details about increasing your business. And as always, remember your smart device, it's all set up. So when you're driving to work, uh, driving around town, doing some errands, going for a walk or run, you just have to tell your smart device to play Lockdown Indians, and I will be right there with you for the rest of your activity. So one of the things I teased before the break was a question that kind of hit me, would, which would be, if the playoffs started tomorrow, who would the Indians, how would the Indians pitching staff uh, lay out? Uh, who are your top three guys? You know, even going as far as top four, uh, if they were to advance to the uh, the ALCS. Now, it's kind of an incomplete question because that's interesting. Is Carlos Carrasco is still third on this team in innings pitched? Uh, injuries have been uh, debilitating, and uh, kind of speaks volumes to. Uh, what the players have done and come together as a team to uh, achieve this year. But Carlos Carrasco, who you know was pitching with cancer, uh, I still can't get over the fact he struck out ten per nine, ten point nine batters per nine innings while uh, feeling weak from cancer. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. But, uh, again, he is third on the team in innings. Fourth is Zach Plesak at 54. Uh, he's also fourth in starts. You know, Plutko has eight. Rodriguez has eight. Clevenger has eight. Kluber had seven. Uh, Tyler Clippard technically has one start. And uh, Cody Anderson, two. And Aaron uh, Saival, one. So that is all of your starts this year. Uh and the reason it's kind of an incomplete question, it's uh, let's say Corey Kluber comes back and he's fine. Yes, he wasn't pitching great, but it was a small sample size. And at the time, the performance wasn't as bad as the you know what we had statistical uh, signs of. You look at things like WAR and ERA, he looked awful, but uh, I, I'm not quite ready to say he's done. He'll be back uh, sooner rather than later, so we have to see. Mike Clevenger, he's only got eight starts. He has one more start than Kluber, and Kluber's been out for a while. Uh, He's got four less starts than Carrasco, so we have to see exactly what we have there. At this point, though, for my money, I would have Shane Bieber be the the Game 1 starter. He, He may... his. 
his K per nine is higher than uh, than Bauer. His walk rate is lower. His home run rate is lower. His hit rate is lower. Yes, his ERA is technically a little bit higher, but uh, ERA isn't a great evaluation tool. Uh, for me and my money at this point, Bieber would be the guy I'd lead off in game one. Probably put Bauer at this point in game two, uh, depending on player performance, with a chance that Clevenger could jump to one uh, if he can continue to perform well and show that he is fully back, or even a Kluber could get in there if he can pitch well. But uh, there is a conceivable world where Bauer is your three or your four uh, starter in the rotation, uh, depending on the matchups was really what it comes down to. So I'm recording this on the 23rd, which is when everyone will be listening. And that puts us, you know, eight days out from the trade deadline. There is no, uh, waiver period this year. So once the, uh, the deadline hits, it's done. You're not adding any more talent. You know, the past few years, the Indians have been really good about coming back and making those deals in August. Can't do that anymore. Those days are done. So, you know, that was Donaldson last year. But uh, so if they're going to add or trade someone, now is going to be the time. And Bauer is still their the major trade piece, piece. It's going to be interesting. I still... Can't see any way he ends up going to the Yankees, uh, though that rumor doesn't die. Uh, one of the, I think, underrated aspects about any deal with the Yankees is they... I am not super impressed with their prospect pool uh, when arguably your top minor league prospect is a extremely undersized uh, flamethrowing pitcher who might... I mean, a lot of people I talk with think he's got to end up in the pen long term. Uh, yes, Clint Frazier is an excellent trade chip. He played quite well in the majors this year. He is their big trade piece. You know, the pitcher I was talking about, Debbie Garcia, is a very good piece. Uh, I don't think Estevan Florial is, uh, is rated anywhere near as uh, highly as Yankees fans and some just uh, writers make him to be. It's almost like he had name value at one point. But uh, guys repeating levels don't have a lot of trade value. That's just the truth of it. Uh, Not as centerpieces. Uh, As an Indians fan, I still just keep wrapping myself back to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, You know, they are currently uh, in the second wildcard spot in the National League. They are up over the Phillies and the Brewers, who are half a game back. The Diamondbacks and the Giants are both two back. And then you got your next grouping. And the reason the Cardinals are so interesting is, again, this is a team that uh, they gave Goldschmidt a contract to play first base, which means Jose Martinez has been miscast in the outfield. He should be a a DH. Like, he is an absolute butcher in the field. Uh, He's not been as productive this year as in years past, so his value is down a bit, and he is older but at the same time, if you can get Dylan Carlson out of them, uh, Carlson would instantly become the number two prospect in the Indian system, possibly number one prospect in the Indian system. Uh, that would be the the reason to make a deal like that. And Dylan Carlson could be in the majors next year. You know, I, I say it like that because maybe you would consider pushing him. I don't think that's really the track he's on. But you know, this big. 
switch hitting kid. Former, uh, a surprising first round pick, but just go look up the numbers. It's, you know, what he's doing is, is rather impressive. And if, um, you aren't familiar with him, you know, make yourself familiar. I, he's probably the, to me, the most interesting prospect that could be moved, uh, at this year's deadline, uh, 16 home runs, 20 doubles, 285 average, 366 on base percentage, 42 walks, 78 strikeouts. Uh, Still just 20 years of age, won't be 21 until October. Young for his class type, doing that at age 20 in AA. It's impressive. It's really impressive. And again, you could maybe get those two and something else small. Um, I don't know exactly what you would uh, push for or look at. Um, maybe Yario Munez, if you can uh, get him, as he has been uh, a solid utility player. Uh, I know the Indians have Mike Freeman who's doing that, but someone like Munez could potentially be a starter for the Indians in a year, depending on the Kipnis situation. Um but yeah, it's, uh, you know, the Cardinals, again, second on the wild card, really struggling with their uh, their pitching staff. That just seems like the natural fit. We'll have to see. Now, last year, the Indians and Cardinals didn't make a trade. Um, I crucified the Indians for making that trade, and I am an idiot because that was the Oscar Mercado deal. Um, so yes, you can all laugh at me right now about how I disliked that deal. Uh, quite a bit at the time, but it doesn't change the fact that, uh, you know, you have something to say, cat? Yeah, see, my cat's even calling me an idiot for missing on that deal, but it doesn't change the fact that the Cardinals need pitching. The Cardinals have some interesting players that could possibly be on the move. I mean, right now, when you look at the Cardinals, uh, Dakota Hudson is their only player with, uh, Starter who has started, you know, 10 or more games, who has an ERA uh, under 4. I mean, heck, under 4, 1.15. There, but at the same time, his whip is is atrocious. Uh, You know, Michael Walker has a negative war value this year. They're just, they have a solid pen. That's what's interesting is their pen is, uh, you know, Andrew Miller is not the Andrew Miller of old, but he is still... Uh, playing well for them this year. He's not quite the untouchable player he was in the past. And they have a lot of guys with depth in that pen. Um, but the starting pitching, I mean, Miles Nicholas uh, has kind of regressed. He's more of a back end. Same with Jack Flattery, more of a back end. Dakota Hudson, a back end starter. Adam Wainwright is a back end starter now. And then Michael Waka. Um, it's it's interesting. Yeah, Wainwright is older, but uh, Flattery hasn't taken the step most expected. I mean, Hudson took a while to get up there, but he's he's been a solid uh, back end starter. Uh, but yeah, it's you know Michael Walker hit a wall pretty young, and he's never quite lived up to that early performance. And uh, Flattery's lack of development, Michaelis's. Uh, regression this year it's it's a team that uh you know it it really sets up for the indians to trade with them they are the ones that are are, 
they don't have anyone who's better than a four right now and they're trying to hold on to a playoff spot and this is a team that you know we were talking about it as kind of the darlings of baseball for a while there and it's it's been a struggle the last few years they've been on the cusp but not quite getting over so um they make a lot of sense as uh, natural trade partners because they've always had more bats than arms it, both teams can trade from strength to help out a weakness it's basically end of the day summing it all up but uh yeah it's it's going to be fun to watch because the indians are playing well we have uh seven more cupcakes on the schedule before houston comes to town on the 30th uh so and that's when the schedule gets tough the indians really need to cut i know it's only three but if they want to take the wild if they want to take the division they need to at the end of the month pretty much be tied or better just because the schedule flips uh at the 30th it gets good two weeks two and a half weeks of really tough matchups while the twins get to coast against the the really bad teams and the indians have taken advantage of that schedule um but the twins did earlier and that's why they built the huge lead so the indians have to keep going they're a different team their early struggles um was a historically bad lineup adding mercado has made them better Hopefully we'll see Daniel Johnson sooner than later. And, uh, you know, we can... Uh, there's a lot of ways for the, the team to be successful in the future. Maybe it's a trading for somebody uh, like Jose Martinez or getting a Dylan Carlson, and then you end up with a, a Johnson-Carlson-Mercado outfield with Luplo and Bauer as a DH platoon, or, um, you know, I guess Martinez would be the DH. It Having more bats than you know what to do with is a nice problem to have and something the Indians have not experienced the past few years when a year ago we're running out Milky Cabrera. So this is it's been a consistent issue, but uh it the Indians I guess my question to people out there is at this time last year, did you feel better or worse about the Indians? Um yes, they had better starting pitching. But starting pitching isn't bad this year. It's to the point where they could conceivably trade away their second-best starter because they could fill another position of need, and they have other guys who could step up. Um, the offense had the same question marks a year ago, um, and the bullpen was an absolute disaster, and now I feel pretty comfortable with it. So in a net whole, I'm slowly coming to trust this team more than I trusted last year's squad. Thank you to everyone who listened. I hope I made up for the missed podcast by going way over today on the show. But uh, thanks for listening. And again, as always, go Tribe.